Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning, everyone. Uh, Really good to see you all. Really good to see your faces. Those of you whose faces uh, I can see. Um, Others of you, it's nice to see your names and know that your faces are behind your names. Um, I trust that you are there. I trust that you're really here. And that you're really listening. So we're doing, um, it's been very generously called a mini-series. So thank you, whoever called it that. It's really just two sermons on wisdom. But whoever decided it was a mini-series, that was very kind of you. Thank you for that. But So we're, gonna, we're preaching on, on wisdom. I'm preaching on wisdom. Um, wisdom's been one of those, one of those subjects uh, which um, I would say over the years, over the decades now of being a Christian, I probably, I think I've prayed for more than anything, prayed for more consistently, praying that God give me wisdom. Um, because I would say it's very, very frequently during, I would say, uh, every week of my life and most days where you just think, Lord, help me here, help me in this conversation. Lord, help me in this decision. Lord, help me in this perplexing conundrum. <laughs> Lord, show me what to do. And remember what we looked at last week, we looked at the fact that Wisdom and knowledge differ in the sense that knowledge is what you know. Wisdom is what you do with what you know. Wisdom is, wisdom is the decisions that you make out of what you know. Um, you can be full of knowledge and, and have very little wisdom. You find it sometimes people, they know all the right things, but the way that they live, the way they live their lives, it's, it lacks wisdom. There's no, there's no clear sense that these, this person knows how to live. And, um, uh, and so we really wanted to drill into the fact that wisdom is a doing, is a verb. Wisdom is how you live. It's the choices that you make. It's the priorities that you, uh, in which you order your life and then live by. Um, it's what you do. It's not just what you know. And we looked at last week, we looked at how really there, is, there are uh, some things to say about wisdom in general that are not specifically Christian in the sense that there's what we call common grace, that, that, that God, that the Bible says God causes his, the, the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives rain on the unrighteous and the righteous. There's just a sense in which in creation around us, there's so much we can learn. We can look at those who have lived well and learn lessons. We can, there's probably very, very few people you can meet who you can't learn something from. Um, very, very few people, which if you knew their life close enough, there wasn't one thing you could say, hey, I could learn from that. And so in God's goodness and his kindness and his common grace, there is, uh, there's, there's plenty, um, plenty of wisdom out there that we can learn. You'll find um, plenty of teachers, uh, philosophical teachers, religious teachers over the years, whether Christian or not, who have said some really profound things. But then there's another side to it. There's also a side to, to, to the wisdom of the world that is dark. It's a wisdom that doesn't want to know God. It's a wisdom that has no room for God. It's a wisdom that does not like uh, the authority of God because it gets in the way of the fact that we want to do our own thing. We want to follow the desires of our own heart, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, that we have this willfulness, um, that, we, that we have this sinfulness, that we have this bent uh, away from God and towards other things. Uh, and, and so the wisdom of God is a kind of a challenge to our own desires very often and to our own priorities. And so there's also this other side uh, to wisdom, this, uh, this worldly wisdom. And then we began to drill into the specific elements of Christian wisdom. And I said a few things 
and we're going to go into them in more depth this week than we did last week. The first thing I said is that is that the wisdom in our lives, the Christian wisdom, the wisdom that God wants to bring into our lives is foundational. Now, it's really important that we just spend a moment again just unpacking what I mean by that. Your foundation is what you build your life on. It's, it's the base layer. It's everything else that comes is built on it. And so in that sense, what you can't do with gospel wisdom, with Christian wisdom, is add it on top of another foundation. When you come to know Christ, um, your old foundation is removed and a new foundation is placed in. And so you can't add uh, you can't add Christian wisdom on top of a money foundation, a life that revolves around money and simply making more money and getting rich. You can't build the Christian life on that. You can't build the Christian life on uh, on a power foundation. If all you want to do is be powerful, you simply you want to be an influencer. That's the thing that drives you more than anything else. There's nothing wrong with money in itself. There's nothing wrong with being influential. But if that's your foundation, your base, you know, you, you, you just want to you want to be able to kind of control situations. You can't build Christian wisdom on top of that foundation. It will not work. You can't build it on top of a on top of a pleasure foundation. If all you if all that you really want is just kind of immediate pleasure, you can't build the Christian life, Christian wisdom on that foundation. Um, you can't build it on top of a popularity foundation if you just want people to like you uh, again that's that's kind of natural but if, if that's your main driver if that's your foundation you can't build christianity on top of that in fact when i was um when i was about 15 i made a decision not to be a christian i, I was part of a christian youth group my christian youth leader said to me you've been coming along to this youth group for a long time now steph but i don't think you're really following jesus what are you going to do and he, it was quite helpful really because it kind of cornered me but there were two things in my life that were foundational. One was kind of like a, 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 an, an immediate pleasure thing. Um, I, I was kind of trapped in all kinds of kind of immediate gratification. And the other was popularity. I wanted everyone to love me. I wanted to be the funniest, um, uh, most popular guy in the group. And they were foundational in my life. And I knew that. And I said, no, I don't want to become a Christian. And actually, I, it wasn't until two or three years later that I gave my life to Christ. I realized these foundations were, were pretty ropey <laughs> after that time, you know, but there was this thing where I realized I can't just lay this on top of this. You can't, you can't build Christian wisdom on the, on the foundation of another religion or another kind of spiritual worldview. You can't build it on top of superstition. You can't build it on top of your family background and the values of your family background. All of these things have to give way to Christ. When you become a Christian, all of these things, and then you can work out what to do with them in light of the foundation. The second thing to say is this, is that this foundation of Christian wisdom is a person. It's Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 says there's no foundation that can be laid except Jesus Christ. He is the Christian foundation. And so it's not primarily an idea. Christian wisdom isn't primarily an idea or primarily a philosophy or it's primarily a person. Now, because this person is a teacher, there's doctrine involved. Because this person is a prophet, 
there's this sense of him bringing the, 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 the word of God, the authority of God's words into our lives. That's involved because he is the son of God, the beautiful, eternal son of God who displays the glory of God. Worship is involved um, because he's the lover of our soul. Devotion is involved. All of these things are involved, you know, doctrine, authority, worship, devotion. But it comes out of and centers around a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christian wisdom is foundational. It comes in at the base of our life and only as a base. Anyone who's ever tried to add Jesus to their life as an addition, an add-on, as part of the building instead of the foundation, has quickly realised that it doesn't work. There's something deeply dissatisfying about it. There's something uh, deeply um, futile. You think, where am I going? What is this thing? There's no power. Something deeply powerless about it um, because he comes as the foundation. And really the Bible unpacks these by saying, okay, great. How does this work? Two main ways. So we're going to drill into them. Number one, the fear of the Lord. That's, that's this term we looked at last week. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is something to be treasured, not something, not something to be feared, if that makes sense. Sounds a bit of a strange way of phrasing it. But the fear of the Lord is that sense in which he takes your breath away. And we all have that need in us of that that element in our life, that, that which takes our breath away, that which, that which catches our attention and our affection and our fear in that sense that something that goes, oh, you go, whoa, man, we need that. And the Bible says that <clears throat> he is to be that for us, that in and of himself, something that takes our breath away. There is a, there is a fear about that word. It does mean reverence. It does mean respect. But it does mean fear as well. So what it means is that sense in which you go, it's not the kind of fear that makes you run away. It's the kind of fear that makes you, you, you run towards him, but you're careful as you do so. You draw near to him, as Psalm 2 says, to kiss him, but you draw near, as the same psalm says, with trembling. He's God. It's the Lord. It's majestic. It's holy. It's glorious. And I want to read to you one of my favourite uh, um, uh, few verses in, in the Proverbs, when you first hear it, you might say, seriously, is that a favorite? When I explain, you might understand, just to help us understand the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 30, the first three verses. Listen to this. The man declares, I'm weary, O oh God. I'm weary, O oh God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I the knowledge of the Holy One. I love those verses. I'm going to read them to you again. The man declares, I'm weary, oh God, I'm weary, oh God, I'm worn out. Surely I'm too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I the knowledge of the Holy One. Those words have been uh, an immense source of comfort to me from time to time over the years. When I'm perplexed, when I'm just like, Lord, I haven't got a clue, which is pretty regularly. Um, these verses I just find so helpful. They're so, so deeply honest. Now, I don't know those of you that some of you would have heard of this before. There's um, there's all kinds of tools out there, aren't there, for uh, to build skills in life and to help us understand how we learn certain things. And here's, here's a little uh, phrase or a little way of um, understanding how you get uh, skillful 
in life uh, that I've picked up over years that I've found quite helpful. There are four stages to getting skillful in life. Let's imagine you want to learn a, you want to learn a language, okay? So you want to learn a language. The first stage is this, that you are unconsciously incompetent, all right? You look at, you, 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 look at, you look at this language, you go, I'll be all right, I'll be fine. You know, I mean, how hard can it be? I've got this language down, I'm sure I'll get that one down. Give me a few weeks, game on, okay? So you are utterly incompetent, but you're unconscious. <laughs> you don't realise how, you think, no, 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 we'll be all right. I did a, I did a, bit, of, did a bit of that at school, a bit of Duolingo, we're off, we're away, okay? Phase one. Phase two is what we call consciously incompetent, okay? So phase one, unconsciously incompetent. You're incompetent, but you don't realise it. Phase two, consciously incompetent. You go, man alive, this is really hard. This is like, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to get this. Phase three is consciously competent. You focus, you give attention, you learn it. You learn the thing over time, you learn it, you become competent, but you have to really focus. You have to really give attention to all kinds of things. So you, you're tracking your progress. You are becoming consciously competent. Final stage, unconsciously competent. You do it without thinking. You, you know, you dream in the new language. You just chat, chit chat in the new language, okay? So four phases, unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, Consciously competent, unconsciously competent. When it comes to Christian wisdom, you have to pass through phase two, consciously incompetent. This is the guy in Proverbs 30. I haven't got a clue. In fact, I feel like an animal. I'm, I've lost my, I have such little wisdom that I haven't got a clue. There is something that you go through on the healthy journey towards Jesus really being your foundation and the fear of the Lord really being in you where you go, I, I don't get this. Now, if you're going through that, that's a good sign because listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he's wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. If you really want to learn how to live in the wisdom of God, how to live that gospel-centered life, how to live that spiritually empowered Christ as my foundation life, you have to go through that stage where you go, Lord, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue about relationships. I haven't got a clue about money. I haven't got a clue about good decisions about the future. I haven't got the clue how to worship properly. I'm clueless praying. Lord, I don't know where to start. You go through that phase because you're basically saying, everything I thought I knew, everything I thought, you go, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, Lord, I really need you to show me what to do in every area. Now that's the beginning of the fear of the Lord. You're basically saying, God, clueless. But at the same time, you're saying, you know, you know all things. You know me better than I know myself. You understand life perfectly. You know what fruitfulness really looks like. You see, there's a humility that comes. And then, and then, and then what it does is it begins to revolutionize your approach to scripture. Because when you think about the Bible, it's like, well, who's, who's, who's assessing who? I'm no longer assessing it. It's assessing me. <laughs> I'm no longer judging it. Well, why does it say that? It's judging me. I'm no longer over it, it's over me. I'm no longer teaching it. Oh, surely that must be so out of date. It, it's teaching me, it's teaching me. Now, of course, we 
need to use our minds and interpret scripture properly. But at the heart, I'm going, Lord, show me what to do. Show me. Don't get it. Because the reality is this. Our fleshly wisdom and our worldly wisdom are so far apart from God's wisdom that actually very often when you read the scripture, it's quite counterintuitive. You find yourself going, really? What? For real? You serious? Someone's done me wrong. I should go and tell them so that they can repent and I can forgive them. Why do that when I could gossip about them? Why do that when I could just punish them subtly? Why do that? I might, I might cause more trouble by confronting them. There's this wisdom in the scripture that is often so counter to our own learned ways. But the fear of the Lord says, hold on a minute. In light of what he says, I'm going to prioritize differently. I'm going to decide, choose differently. I'm going to reorder my, thing, my life. I'm going to reorder things in my life. That's the fear of the Lord. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. That's a really, really profound place to get to. And God wants to bring us there. That's Christian wisdom. The fear of the Lord. And then the second thing is to do with the cross. There's something about the cross. We read the passage last week where it says that in God's, in God's wisdom, the world, in its own wisdom, didn't come to know God. And so God was pleased to use something as foolish as the message of the cross, preaching of preaching of the cross, preaching of Christ crucified. He was pleased to use that message to bring about his purposes, to save, to bring in his power. There's something about the cross. There's something about Christ crucified that is so profoundly wise spiritually that if we are, if we build our life on that, there is such power in that is absolutely extraordinary let me read on from that passage last week i want to read you the first eight verses of 1 corinthians chapter 2 listen to these words and i when i came to you brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of god with lofty speech or wisdom for i decided to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified and i was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men but in the power of god yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of god which god decreed before the ages for our glory None of the rulers of this age understood this. But if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. God's plan was to bring to the human race a wisdom so different from worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is built on our achievement, built on pride very often, built on a, built on a sense of accomplishment. It's, it's kind of got that at its foundation. And like I said, you can't build a, a, a godly life on that foundation. It's not the right foundation. There's something about the message of the cross that gets right to the foundation of our own sense of self-righteousness, our sense of, um, I'll figure it out, our sense of uh, spiritual pride. And it just absolutely stands directly against all of that. It says, well, it's either that or it's the cross. It can't be both. They're oil and water. You can't mix them. You can't have a cocktail. It's either that. Or it's the cross. It's very, very 
powerful thing. And Paul says to the Corinthians, when I came to you, I determined that those of you who got saved, you were going to get saved on the right foundation. What was going to be the foundation of your life? It was not the wisdom of men, but the power of God. And the power of God breaks into your life through the message of Christ crucified. If you will give up your sense of self-righteousness, if you will, if you will lay to one side your sense of, I think I know best, if you will put that to one side and embrace Christ, embrace this person, Christ crucified and risen, the power of God breaks into your life. And that is a completely different power from human power, human kind of can do. It's a completely different thing whereby the supernatural kicks in, whereby the activity, the energy of God, the reality of the presence of God, his guiding power in your life, bringing total forgiveness, utter cleansing from all the things that you've done wrong, totally liberating you, completely liberating you from the powers of darkness. I mean, this is an extraordinary thing. You know, the Bible teaches that, 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 that the authority of darkness in our life was kind of, it wasn't just random, it was rooted in our offences towards God. Because we turned away from God and gone our own way, in that sense, um, the powers of darkness had a permission to mess with our lives, to kind of keep us in grips of slavery, to keep us stuck in futile ways of thinking, authority to do that. Because humanity had sinned. Humanity had sinned and opened the door on sin, death, dark powers to just mess with us. And so Jesus taking on flesh, Jesus becoming flesh, becoming truly human, real, a real man. Not, a, not he looks like a man, no, becoming a real man. The word became flesh. He enters into humanity. But not only that, he identifies with us fully as sinful humanity, which is why he gets baptized. John the Baptist says, I can't do I can't. Why, how, why would I baptize you? It's not right. Jesus says, no, no, no. To fulfill righteousness, it's fitting for you to do this now. Why? Because he's saying, I'm going to identify completely with sinful humanity. And more than that, He's going to go to the cross where where even his own father, even his own father, the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin, to be, on our behalf to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what's going on is as Christ is on the cross, he's not just identifying as sinful humanity, actually the sins of the world, he bears our sins in his body. And so what, but listen carefully, because this element of the gospel doesn't always get proclaimed as clearly as it should as he representing sinful humanity is being judged sinful humanity is being judged and god's righteous satisfaction god's holy wrath at, our, at the sin of humanity is being satisfied in that moment which means that all those who turn to christ are completely delivered from the judgment of God, which means that the powers of darkness no longer have permission to mess with our lives. No longer have, because the justice, the righteousness of God has been satisfied and the door has been closed and Satan and sin and death have all been judged in that moment as well and disarmed and dealt with. And this is why the cross brings the wisdom of God into our lives because it completely delivers us from dark powers who mess with us and keep us from keep us from living righteously who who 
who through temptation and seduction and in our willful kind of involvement and, and, and partnership with that lead us astray into crazy decisions, worshipping things that aren't worthy of worshipping, giving our life to things that only disappoint, building our life on the sand instead of the rock. That is blasted away in that moment at the cross. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. That's why just before he died, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. It is finished. The work is done. And he's rising from the dead physically three days later demonstrates that there is now a new humanity in him, a new humanity in Jesus, uh, who through faith, if, we, if you join with Jesus through faith, as you join, you close with him in faith, he says, I embrace you as my saviour, as my deliverer, as my rescuer, as my victor, as my wisdom. I embrace you. This incredible miracle called being born again happens and we know we're not who we are we've become brand new we, we, we something's wow i've got a new heart I, I i want to i want to follow and love the lord now i want to serve him i'm a new person wow the old is gone and the new has come this is the wisdom this is christian wisdom it's utterly unique it helps us to realize that when christians say there's no other way to be saved it's not christians being um arrogant it's not christians being bigoted it's, it's christians saying this message is utterly unique this is something that happened historically in time and space where the, the eternal word of god became flesh for 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 us god came to his creation and did that for us it's not an idea or philosophy it's not you know here's some steps you just do this, empty yourself, do some good works, go here. It's none of that. It's completely different. He has done it. He has done it. And we enter in. And brothers and sisters, just as we wrap up now and um, bring the, the, the service to a close, I want to I appeal to those of us who say, yeah, I'm a believer. I want to appeal to you. Let him be your foundation. Let him be your foundation. Don't have a mixed foundation. It's brittle. It's precarious. And during storms, it will shock. Let him be the foundation of every decision. Every It's not, it's, you might say that sounds really heavy. The Bible says the commands of God aren't burdensome. It's not heavy. It's heavy when we try and do, we try a bit of Jesus and a bit of that. It becomes really, really heavy. No, no, it's such a light thing. It's grace. It's where you go, you know, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my past, my present, my future. So powerful that is. So I want to just urge you to do that and to and to go back to the cross again. Read, read, read the, 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 the accounts in the Gospels. Read, read about, read in Romans 6, read Colossians 2. Read, let the Lord broaden out your understanding, enrich your understanding of what happened there. And those of you who are on the call, who maybe you've never given your life to Christ, his arms are wide open. What more do you need to know? I've proclaimed Christ today. Believe on him. Believe on him. Simply believe on him. Give yourself to him. Turn from everything else and believe on him. And you'll be brand new. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to hand back. Oh, Lord. What a gospel. What a message. It's your message. It's your message. You've given us your very best. 
Father, you've given us your very best, your son, Jesus. You have come. We honour you. We honour you, our risen King. We honour you for all that you did for us. Be glorified in our midst. Be glorified in our midst, I pray. You are worthy, Lord. Amen. Amen.